Hello, this is Nick Miller and this is The Sunday Miller. I'm on my way to the studio now, uh, taking a different route today. I'm going to get the Uber boat down to Charing Cross. It's really efficient these days, you should try it. But I have to confess, the first time I used it, I waited in for three hours before I realised it might be an Uber boat, but it doesn't come to your door. I mean, shoddy service, I call that. Uh, I'll be talking about the Conservative Party conference coming up this week, when everyone will no doubt hail the arrival of the new Prime Minister and Chancellor, almost Xi Jinping style bowing and curtsying and thrusting bouquets upon them. No, don't you think? Uh, what will Rishi Sunak do to occupy his time this week as he said he will not be attending the conference? Uh, why Nick Ferrari missed a trick when he had his morning coffee? There's a clue there. How to make sure nosy people listening into your conversations in public places and trains and such like learn to keep their bloody great big ears out of it. Uh, and why is this podcast so popular in Belgium? what's the best way to make jam there is a connection stay tuned uh, my guest this week is one of my favorite comedians i've ever booked for my shows martin soane is one of those people who can walk on stage and be funny just because of the way he looks uh, a bit like widdicombe i mean Anne, not josh i must stop using the same widdicombe joke so all of that and more in this edition but let's not forget that every now and again the legendary alan dedicote the one and only voice of the bulls will be saying something like this the sunday miller Half an hour of your life you'll never get back. It's not hard to suggest what's been the main talking point of the news this week. As I've said before, Covid stopped us talking about Brexit. The Ukraine stopped us talking about COVID. The Queen stopped us talking about Ukraine. And now the Chancellor's fiscal statement has stopped us all worrying that we might get nuked any day now. I say fiscal statement because you mustn't call it a budget. After all, a budget is all about balancing the books. And this is a bit like balancing a goldfish in one side of the scales and a whale in the other. It's a bit like Putin suggesting that nobody must refer to the invasion of Ukraine as a war. Oh, more a liberation, more of which later. Speaking of budgets... If ours were big enough for us to be able to afford to play music, I'd now be singing my version of Olivia Newton-John's top 10 hit, slightly reworded as Let's Get Fiscal. So really, I completely wasted my time arriving in the studio dressed in something similar to Olivia's pink leotard. Well, that and the fact that we aren't on the telly. At least it gave everyone on the Uber boat something to talk about. The, the boat ride, for the record, is very enjoyable, even if there are more peers than usually bother to turn up on an average afternoon in the House of Lords. Rumour has it that the Conservative central officers have already received a number of letters of no confidence in the Prime Minister, despite the fact she's only been in office for two weeks. Admittedly, all 17 of them are signed R. Sunak and say things like, she smells. The Sunday Miller. More balls than the National Lottery. I'm recording this extra early today because today's the day of the London Marathon and it's always a big thing in my house because it runs past the end of our road. I've never yet been accepted for the marathon thus far, though. I'm not sure if it's because of some of the stipulations in what I refer to as my rider. How much am I getting paid for this charity appearance? Does it still count if I get the bus? Is it OK if I stop the race every 100 metres to say, hang on, guys, I've got a stitch. And honestly, the Nick Miller Foundation is a genuine charity and it does desperately need a new big screen telly. 
What we do is we take a table and chairs and food and booze up to the top of the road and we watch the marathon go by, much to the chagrin and in fact jealousy of the runners. It's a great vantage point right from the first wheelchair and elite runner right up to the last bloke dressed as a pirate ship. And, uh, do you know what? I don't know what these so-called conservation campaigners are on about when they talk about the extinction of species. We see loads of rhinoceroses in London every marathon day. <laughs> Run for the hills. It's the Sunday Miller. They'll be hanging out the bunting and welcoming the arrival of Liz Truss and the Chancellor this week in Birmingham with all the joyous fervour of the Ukrainian people when Putin's army strolled across the border to liberate them. And what should have been the triumphal coronation of the new Conservative Party leader in front of her own looks like her crowning moment on stage will actually turn out to have been that time she said buying too much cheese from the French was a disgrace. Apparently, Rishi Sunak uh, will not be attending this week's Conservative Party conference. He says he wants to show his respect by giving the new prime minister all the rope she needs to hang herself. I, I mean, uh, all the space she needs to put her own stamp on the proceedings. I'm not entirely sure what Rishi will be doing to amuse himself while he watches her and her superficially numerate chancellor try and talk their way out of the sort of meltdown you normally only see after someone's just handed over a shitty old necklace in the back office of Cash for Gold. I think Rishi will be back home in his new gold-encrusted hot tub, large enough to cover two postcodes, or swivelling around in his underground silo in front of a pool of piranha, cackling and stroking his pussy while watching Truss imploding on the telly. After he lost the leadership, he did go back to work at his mum's pharmacy, but she sacked him when she realised he still couldn't reach the shelf with the cough drops. And if you happen to see Kenneth Branagh's debut this week on telly playing our former Prime Minister, Boris will be at home with his latest wife and children, trying to remember the names of his previous ones. Nick Miller. A bit like a proper broadcaster, only cheap. I don't know if you happen to see Putin's ceremony to claim the annexation of the four areas of Ukraine, which would be really useful in Scrabble if you're allowed to use proper names. And you had loads of consonants left over. Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson and Zaprozitsya. Three Zs in that one, 47 points. Uh, the room where the ceremony was held was full of not so much invited as summoned delegates and bureaucrats, all of whom unable to crack so much as even a slight smile. You could have been forgiven for thinking it was the Tory party conference. The ceremony was held in what looked like a massive Cinderella-style ballroom. Two giant golden doors were held open for the puny president as he waddled in. To quote Churchill, he looks like the sort of bloke of whom it might be said an empty taxi pulled up and Putin got out. The giant doors were held open by what looked like two gold leaf-clad toy soldiers who high-kicked their way into the room whilst opening the doors, then marched back out again like John Cleese doing his silly walk, closing the doors after he entered, no doubt quickly jumping in an Uber and heading to the border of Finland before he could realise. Of course, Putin announced that each of the territories was fairly claimed after free and fair referendums. If you call it free and fair to send soldiers round, to drag old ladies round to the polling station at gunpoint. Admittedly, that's how the Liberal Democrats do it at by-elections. Everyone in that room, along with all of his inner coterie, knows full well that he knows that invading Ukraine is a massively catastrophic fuck-up of almost mini-budget proportions. But as ever, Putin's self-delusion and brutal arrogance knows no bounds. Of course, he will now no doubt attempt to suggest that taking over those four territories was really all he wanted in the first place. 
thinking that'll buy him time and favour before he accidentally has a heart attack, falling from the sixth storey of a Moscow hospital. Surely even he can't be convinced that his country folk are convinced that the war is going well. Like the latest Cheeky Girl single, No One's Buying It. The Sunday Miller. Half an hour of your life you'll never get back. Well, I'm very happy to say that my guest today is one of my very favourite comedians on the circuit. A very dear, dear friend. Now, that's, that, this is showbiz, OK? You, you then have to pretend to like me too. That's, that's, the, that's the gig. Um, genuinely, when I was doing one of my live shows, you were an absolute banker, so to speak. Thank I, you. Um, <laughs> may I introduce Martin Soane? Thank you. Did you say banker? I did say banker, yes. Right. So you'll, you'll be in for another bonus very soon, if, uh, thanks to Quasi. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, um, if I had to describe you to a stranger, which I suppose I'm doing now to our six and a half million listeners, all but right. 17, all but 17 of which appear to be in Belgium. National dish of Belgium is uh, mussels and chips. Did you know that? Is it? Oh, I could eat yeah. that all day long. But I would say that uh, if I had to describe you, I'd say you're a visual comic. It's it's, it's like clowning, clowning with props on drugs. I'd say. How how would you call it? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, they used to describe me in the early alternative days as Tommy Cooper on acid. Yes, yes, I've seen that. I've seen you described thus. That's, yes. that's, that's pretty true. So, I, I think that's probably pretty accurate, really. But you're you're one of those guys who uh, you know it's, uh, you you hear this when people do interviews they they're, they're very gushing but the truth is you've always been uh, the sort of person that you come on stage and you're just funny you you just you have a funny presence about you you've got funny bones yes I'm thankful I have um, you I've have never yeah. on stage you're always terrified you go what on earth is funnier about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, um, you do, you love using sort of everyday objects, don't you? Which, frankly, anyone yeah. else would, would struggle to make funny. I've seen you bring all manner of things with you to, to gigs, from a U-bend to a head gasket to an electric drill to my favourite, the window with the curtain, the little window. Oh, the twitcher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, getting a visual comic on a podcast is not maybe the best thing. Not the most sensible move. What is, what's your, what's your favourite prop? I don't mean, you know. In, uh, to, my favourite prop? is actually the, the plug hole because it oh, is okay. you can just pick that up anywhere yeah. uh, and, uh, it's a it's a huge um i find it a huge gag it's obviously the s bend of a u pipe with and it, me very uh, seductively and uh, teasing a little bit of hair out the plug hole and then raise it further and further and further. It's really disgusting, but done in a very sexual way. And but the point is, you, you know, I had I, I like yourself. I have two daughters and a wife, <laughs> and uh, there's lots of hair down the plug hole. Yeah, and uh, yeah. there is something quite surreally satisfying about getting a great big globule of hair out of your plug hole because it knows you know that it's going to improve the water flow i don't know it's really surreal you know how many plug holes have i i lost i just go down the, the plumbers or down to b&q and buy another one do you know what i mean it's normally end, ends up in the u-bend though doesn't it that's the most horrible thing to empty but once you've done it it's very satisfying mm. uh you make a lot of the the props don't you you make them for other people as well i understand yeah i've made loads over the years yeah but um, as a commissioner, I, 
has largely given up, yeah, for comedians, but largely given up because, you know, they. I, I had uh, the Mighty Boosh uh, approach me before they were famous and they were going yeah. up to Edinburgh and they wanted a bed that turned into uh, a bed, first of all, then it flipped up into a bookcase and something else, something else. And I, and, uh, I said to him, oh, well, that would be about, uh, you know, uh, a £1,000. And they were gobsmacked. They said, I, I think it would be about 50 quid or something. I mean, the wood <laughs> alone cost, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I did all oh. the work, which was sort of like illuminating all the weight from the books so it, you turned into a library. So, yeah. Uh, and I, I think uh, uh, I made a lovely one for Harry Hill, which was a like a – you know those guys that you see walking to snook, snooker halls with those little black boxes uh, oh, at yes. hand. So I made him a large one of them, and uh, he—I think it was a jubilee year or something, some celebration for the Queen. Uh, and it, uh, I'm, it, the interior of it was all finely compressed, and you just—he just, he just re- withdrew a pin, and the box opened. And a red carpet rolled out. Two Union Jacks come up with a little garland of bunting between and then loads of confetti. And a little corgi just tumbled out all the way along the red carpet. Um, I love that one because it, you know, it was how I imagined it and uh, also how I imagined getting around all the problems and building it. it. It all works, you know what I mean? And I didn't have to. From my original idea, I didn't have to ver- go off the path at all with the construction of it, and that was uh, very satisfying. And of course, there's a kitchen for Boothby Graffo that got Perrier nominated. That was like massive. That took me nine months. You made a kitchen for Boothby Graffo. Yeah, it was a kitchen uh, um, with a, the, the focal point of it being a washing machine, and basically it was walls, sinks, window, uh, table, chairs, washing machine, blah blah blah, blah um, a cooker. Blah blah blah, a door, uh, and uh, he had all these visual gags around the kitchen. He did about forty-five minutes, and then he just said, uh, "Oh, I've got to go go out before I go out." He put some washing in the washing machine, <laughs> and said, "I'm going to be five minutes." Went through the door and closed the door, and the washing machine started off. Just went. And there was no one on stage. And then went into the spin. I took the weights out of the washing machine. So the washing machine just vibrated, vibrated more and more. And eventually all the walls fell down. The cooker came out, collapsed. Uh, everything fell down. The only thing that was standing was the washing machine. And and well, no, we were both up, pulling apart behind, working our oh, way along the right side. Yeah, and uh, eventually we were both huddled behind the uh, washing machine. Uh, um, yeah, that was uh, that was probably my big, biggest project. Yeah, you, you, me- you mentioned uh, your your two girls. I've got three actually. Um, are they they have you as yeah, have yeah. They just keep three appearing. Girls. They keep appearing from all over the place. It's funny. Um, you, you've been married to your lovely wife Vivian for thirty two years. I see from her Wikipedia. And I, I should oh, say right. that she's. She, yeah, you I've didn't know that. that. Two years. Yeah. I just thought I'd remind you because it's probably you know probably coming up to um, you know an anniversary. She's not uh, that. She made her anniversary. We got married on her birthday, so I'll never forget. Oh, her that's easy. But she's stupid because I just forget both her birthday. Oh, and very her. good. Well, why not? Why not? Double whammy. Um, most recently, she was the vicar, wasn't she? In the other one with Ellie White and Rebecca Front and numerous other stellar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
had a, a latest thing which we're not allowed to talk about, so I'll talk Ooh. about it. Is her, um, she's in this uh, uh, um, thing called uh, don't, I'm Scared, Don't Hug Me, which is on Channel 4. Initially, it was a huge internet success, especially in America with millions of fans. Yeah. And uh, apparently, it's all based upon, it's for the generation that grew up on Sesame Street. So it's like a very dark Sesame Street. Oh, brilliant. And she plays, um, uh, well, I won't tell you what she plays, but she's the only human in it all the rest <laughs> of the public. Uh, and it is pretty scary. She's done another one with uh, Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo. Forget what that's called now. Um, yeah, but she did a scene with those two uh, in a hotel. Yeah, so she's doing really well. Good. You, you are a much-loved couple. I, I see you almost as the king and queen consort of comedy. And when... <laughs> when... <laughs> When you go, when when you go, I will be queuing up to see you lying in a state, um, <laughs> sprawled across the bar at the old nun's head. I reckon. Yeah. yeah. You you started in comedy very young, like me, didn't you? So you must be you must be in your thirties by now. Oh, very funny. Oh. Um, I helped when I was uh, fifteen doing punching duty down Paul Paul, Paul Bella Road. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And then I, my first TV experience of you was uh, with uh, Chris Tarrant in um, the adult version of Tiz Was, which is called OTT. Was that the yeah. foundation of The Great Show on Legs with the balloon dance? No, it's not. The foundation was uh, um, years and years before that. Oh, was it? So The Great Show on Legs started off uh, with me doing Punchy Duty, uh, but having the booth on my back so I could walk around. Uh, and then I had several what they call interpreters, basically the, the guys outside with the top hat, and they would repeat what Mr. Punch would say because he's unintelligible, basically. And then at the end of the show, he'd go around with a hat and collect some money. So I used to do the street. And uh, um, so I had several interpreters, and uh, they were all good. Uh, and uh, and then I fell in with Malcolm Hardy, of course, of infamous fame. And uh, then we left the puppets, and we started doing sketches. And uh, basically, we did the same thing, the streets. We did uh, Camden Lock, performing on the street there for a few years, uh, and then toured the South Coast. Uh, but our ideas were sort of like, yeah, it, we got uh, recognised by someone. I can't remember who. Oh, yeah, li um, not Linda's farm. Um, uh, Fairball Convention. All right. Uh, so, so we did a tour with them because uh, they're a bit folky and we were a bit funky. One <laughs> <laughs> description. Uh, yeah, then eventually we ended up on TV. So the, the and my, my most recent experience of um, you on telly was uh, – uh, and The Apprentice, and I'm not sure Lord Sugar was um, entirely overwhelmed with it. That, I was so uh, – Omid rang me up and said, you know, we're doing this cabaret and we've been set this task. Oh, my God. And I knew I was being set up. I knew I was being set up because uh, I just knew. And so we were made to look like the evil devils and uh, Omid, because he, he, he organised our slot, uh, got fired. And oh, I felt very guilty, so I texted uh, Omid, uh, Jowie, Omid Jowie, and uh, I said, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I feel a bit responsible getting you sack. And he said, no, brilliant, Mark, it's so fantastic, I got the sack, I wanted to get out of it. <laughs> they all say so, that. 
But, uh, <laughs> but I, I've forgotten that it was the celebrity edition, of course. And and you were up against, I mean, you know, nobody in particular, but there it was. It was the greatest show on legs on one team, and Robbie Williams <laughs> on the other. Yeah, I know. I, I tell you what, but if Robbie Williams was performing in my garden, I'd shut the curtains. So I'd far rather watch yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, um, I saw the setup, and they didn't take care of us at all. And no, uh, then they said, "Then they said, uh, uh, you've got uh, something like a minute and a half." Uh, and I literally said to Delorex, "I said a minute and a half—that's not even enough time to get my bollocks out." Do you know what I mean? So it was—it <laughs> was ridiculous. Of an essential for any television performance, I think. Um, just uh, getting on to your shows, uh, you've uh, been pulling the other one. If, if you haven't seen oh, yeah. one of Martin's shows, they're very similar to what I used to do, but he's been doing it longer and better, I think, for a long time. Uh, it's called Pull the Other One, largely at the uh, Old Nun's Head in Peckham? Yeah, the Old Nun's Head, but the next lot are going to be at uh, John the Unicorn on uh, Rye Lane. Oh, yes, I've been there. With you, have you? I think. yeah, I've seen your show there. So, what what does the future hold? Are you going to be making more comedy shorts? So, next thing I'm doing is a shadow show, uh, uh, which is sort of like the reinvention of it. Well, I've stretched it a little bit, the idea of it. So, it's moving screens. We're a bit like Sonne Lumiere. Do you remember that? Nick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, Martin, it's an absolute joy, and I hope we see each other soon because we bumped into each other a short while yeah. ago at the old nun's head. Let's do that again. Okay, mate. It. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you, mate. I give my love to Viv, and, and you. Uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Okay. All the best. Take care. Bye bye. The Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in church. King Charles has revealed his new cipher. Admittedly, he's not the first prince to find himself depicted as a symbol. This is the CR logo that will replace the ER symbol on everything from banknotes and coins to pillar boxes. That's assuming he can ne negotiate the rights to use CR with Cristiano Ronaldo. The two are obviously so often mistaken for one another. As I mentioned last week, some pillar boxes still have the letters GR on them. That dates back to the day when Gordon Ramsay was king. Nowadays, we not only have a new king, but we have a new prince and princess of Wales. Of course, William's happily married, but back in the day when Charles was invested, it must have been a good chat-up line when he first met Camilla. So, what is it you do? Well, uh, I sort of rule Wales. Golly, so you have an aquarium? Uh, not as such. The Sunday Miller. More balls than the National Lottery. So this looks like being a hugely challenging week for our new PM at the Conservative Conference in Birmingham. She's not the most gripping of orators, let's be fair. She does have the remarkable gift of making Keir Starmer almost sound interesting. But at least she will have one loyal ally on hand in the shape of, and, and let's not get on to the matter of her shape, she's had more more than her fair share of idiots body-shaming her on the socials, in the shape of Deputy Prime Minister and Secretary of State for Health, Therese Coffey. Whereas Liz this week proved to be painfully brittle in interviews with various local radio presenters, Miss Coffey actually gave a pretty good account of herself in an interview with Nick Ferrari on LBC. Halfway through the interview, her musical phone ringtone kicked in quite loudly. She didn't let it fluster her, and she took it in good humour. She didn't, didn't explain what the alarm was for, but she did try and make herself look down with the kids by saying that was Dr. Dre. 
I think Ferrari missed the trick by not saying, <laughs> you need to be careful. You can get fined a tenner for missing an appointment. <laughs> It's the Sunday Miller. We found out this week, which may come as much a surprise to you as it did to us, that quite a high proportion of the listenership of this podcast are from Belgium. Now, I've nothing against Belgians, except perhaps that time in the queue for the 154 bus. And I did apologise to the Belgian lady in question. It was all a terrible misunderstanding. Now, with respects, I'm not one to look a gift Belgian in the mouth, but I'm not quite sure what the average citizen of Brussels or Antwerp would find at all amusing in a podcast that's quintessentially British. I feel very much that I've been shortchanging this sector of my audience, so I thought I'd make an extra effort to put this to rights. So I thought I'd look up some funny things about Belgium on the internet, which has only recently arrived in northwestern Europe due to the fact that Angela Merkel wouldn't let them have it in case they looked things up. But now she's all gone and they've all discovered porn. The Prime Minister of Belgium is called Alexander de Croo. He belongs to the Open Flemish Liberals and Democrats Party. And if you think that's an unnecessarily long name, get this. His grandpa, or possibly his grandma, I'm not sure, was called Johannes Baptista Alphonsus Josephus de Croo. And that's about it on Alexander. That's all that's ever happened in Alexander's life. That's as much as we can say about the PM of Belgium. But here's a much more interesting thing about Belgian history. Technotronic. Remember them? The only famous Belgian pop group ever. Actually, initially a solo project of producer Joe Bogart at the beginning of the 90s. They had a couple of minor hits in the UK, but one very big one, Pump Up the Jam. Now, I have some issues with the lyrics I'd like to raise with you, Belgian listeners. Pump up the jam, pump it up while your feet are stomping. Actually, let's let Sir Ian McKellen uh, tell us how it goes. Pump up the jam, pump it up while your feet are stomping and the jam is pumping. Look ahead, the crowd is jumping. Pump it up a little more. Now, I have to confess that I've never made jam, but to the best of my knowledge, jam is never manufactured in this way. As far as I know, you you use sugar, which you warm up first, then you cook the fruit in a heavy-based pan until it's very soft. Ladle the hot jam through a wide metal funnel into clean, dry jars and invert for two minutes to sterilise the lids. So, confused by these two alternate methods, the traditional version and the tectronic pumping up process, I contacted the local Women's Institute to ask them which process they preferred. And they told me to fuck off. The Sunday Miller. Half an hour of your life you'll never get back. As I'm about to wend my way back home on public transport, I was thinking how nice it was to travel up on the boat. Very civilised and tranquil, and you can buy a bit of cake and a beer, and the scenery along the Thames is fabulous. I'm not a very eager train traveller, and buses even less so at the best of times. I always seem to find myself in a train carriage with annoying people who like to talk loudly on their mobiles, as if that actually helps when you've got a bad signal. Did Alan get those files? Okay, can you ask Trish about the Coventry booking? Equally annoying is someone listening into your conversations if you happen to be having chat with someone. I was once very aware there was a really nosy older woman almost leaning closer to me to hear me talking to the friend who was with me at the time. So I said to my mate, of course, I have to be careful I don't embarrass myself again. Do you remember after my wife caught me pleasuring myself while I was flicking through a copy of Penthouse? They'll never let me back in that branch of Smith's again. Run 
for the hills. It's the Sunday Miller. So that's it for me this week. Remember, you may not agree with some of my opinions, but I ask you humbly in this polarised, divided world, please don't cancel anyone. They may just have a point. I'd like to tell you what's in next week's podcast, but I can't because the news hasn't happened yet. See you next time. The Sunday Miller is written and presented by Nick Miller with special guest Martin Soan and the voice of the balls, Alan Dedicote. The Sunday Miller is an ultimate sound and vision production.